You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real and filter conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and I'm so excited to present this episode of First of All because I feel like so many things from all the previous episodes have led us to this epic moment. To sit down with the one and only actor, comedian, and podcast host, Peter Kim. So Peter is the host of the Ajima podcast, and he's also just one of the funniest people I've I've had the pleasure of knowing and together we dive into this K-pop scandal that's been covering some headlines for the last month month and a half and if you haven't heard because you don't really follow K-pop um I'm not that big of a K-pop fan now but I I I know scandals when I see it but we talk about all of the things that uh are coming out of this this drama and the implications around culture and misogyny and abuse and corruption and, you know, the problematic nature of the things that we can invest ourselves in and our identities, trauma, all of that fun stuff. Uh, we're going to dive right in. We're going to spill some tea. We're going to laugh a lot. And I just hope that you enjoy this episode because it was it was such a great one to record. Um, if you would like to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at Minjeezy. And uh, please share this episode if you enjoy it and subscribe. Leave a five-star review. And I want to do a really quick shout out to my Patreon patrons because you guys are the ones that help keep this microphone on. So thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to become a financial supporter of this podcast, please go to first of all um, on patreon.com and become a patron. Thank you. That's my spiel. That's my intro. Changing it up a little bit. But I hope that you enjoy this episode. And here it is without further ado. K-pop scandals and more with Peter Kim. Thank you for being here, Peter. Thank you for having me in your beautiful studio. In my studio. Yeah. It's very DIY. I love it. That's the best part of podcasts. (laughs) It's like, how can we create space? For our conversations to flourish. There's a good flow. The energy's nice. Okay, good. Yeah. There's a, is there a feng shui? I haven't Feng shui, gone. feng shui, all of it. It's really nice. Have you heard of gua sha? No. Oh, is that hey, real? Peter, I need to get you in on it. What is it? Gua sha is like that crystal thing. Have you seen like the, they do like mini facials oh, with at the home crystal? with the crystal? Oh, yeah, That's I've gua sha. That. Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's an ancient Chinese scraping. What do they use? They use rose quartz and they okay. use jade. Okay. I mean, mind you, I don't think I don't know what's what's real or what's what, what. I mean, it's only real if you believe it anyway. It's, right? it's exactly it's a seven dollars on Amazon kind of thing. Oh, that's real as fuck. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, so I'm all about that. All right, but uh, yeah, I'm glad that the energy and the chakras have aligned. It has. It has a really nice feeling in here. Good. I'm glad. Well, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I was oh, just thank raving. you so much. And um. Love the theme, the Ajima podcast. Mm-hmm. So I know we're going to, so today I just want to, I feel like the one that I heard that I was captivated by was the recent discussion on K-pop. Yes. Um, so I want to dive into all of that. I just feel like everything I heard you talk about with your, what's your co-host name? Unji Kim. 
Shout out Unji. You yes. are so funny. I love her. Straight up hilarious. I want to <laughs> hug you in real life IRL soon. Um, but yeah, I want to dive into all of that, just Korean culture. But what brings you to LA? I kind of want to get the the scoop on your life. Because I heard sure. the the you know, the little snippets, but uh-huh. I want to get your view on how you have arrived here in my studio. <laughs> so I moved here from Chicago. Um about a year and a half ago, a little less. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in Chicago for five years and I was doing comedy um, full time. Mm-hmm. Before that, I lived in San Francisco, which is, I believe, where I met you first. Okay. I, I will take that. It might have been co- collaboration related. It might have been like some other like entertainment thing. Probably. Because I, I had just started. I was working at Yahoo for, as a data scientist for seven years. Shut up. Yeah. And then I left in 2000. In 2010, I started doing part-time, not part-time, but like um, full-time Yahoo work and part-time comedy work. Got it. And then in 2012, yeah, I fully transitioned and got out of tech and went fully into, I had like 75K saved up. Dude. And I was like, this is going to last me forever. It lasted me a year and a half. Yeah. And then I was Good like, for fuck, you. I have to go back to waiting tables <laughs> as like a 33-year-old man. You oh know, my like, God. It was depressing. Chicago but, was hugely depressing for me. Okay. Yeah. Comedy-wise, it was amazing. Okay. Because you have, like, an unlimited amount of stage time. So you can get really good really That's fast. incredible. That's, yeah. like, unheard of. I didn't know yeah. that that existed. Chicago's the only city that I've lived in, um, and I'm from New York originally, uh-huh. where <clears throat> everybody's just trying to get better. And New York's like that, too. Yeah. But Chicago's a process town, so, like, there's a lot of people who go out to watch just comedy or or theater. Yeah. It's a big cultural thing. Right. I don't know if in L.A. it's really a thing. Totally not. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you said we we work to get better. And I was like, I think in L.A. it's like you get you work to get seen. Yeah. Which, which is, is so weird. <laughs> it's like in Chicago, no one expects to be seen. So you fail hard. I like so you're that. taking big risks, creative risks and like. Trying to figure out your voice, you uh-huh. know? Um, that's what everyone does in Chicago. That's why I moved there. That's amazing. I was going to go straight to LA from SF, but I didn't feel ready. Like, I was doing comedy, but, like, I just didn't... I, I knew I wasn't good at it yet. You okay. know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. That's some self-aware, like, enlightened true artist (laughs) mentality right there. Cause I honestly, well, everyone has their path and it's not, but in my opinion, Mm -hmm. first of all, if you're going to become an artist, there's a lot of different, there's no clear way to do it. So then you're just going to figure it out on your own. You're going to have your preconceived notions of like what it takes to be said, you know, professional artist. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's just like, depending on where you go, I feel like New York's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. LA is a totally different vibe. Chicago's really different. Now there's like Austin, there's San Francisco. Yeah. There's like art scenes everywhere. Yeah. But industry wise, I don't know. It's just really, really different vibe of like what people are, what their objective is. Exactly. What's In the Chicago, dream? the objective was to work. Yeah. Not to make it quote unquote. There's no industry in Chicago. There's one show like dick wolf shows okay and then there's a rule in chicago where if you get on a dick wolf show like a chicago fire then you can't get on any other dick wolf show because it's all part of the same universe got it so you're just then out of the running for any tv work pretty much there's not more than that got it there's empire and then now there's a show called the shy that's coming out of i I saw that but 
very few. So people who do comedy, especially in, in Chicago, aren't really looking to like be seen. But you're yet. there to you're there to hone the craft, which is something. Yeah, you're there to be a fan, first of all, because like Chicago's so huge that like the the town really comes out to watch you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you're just there to I, I feel like most people are there to like get better. That's amazing. Yeah, not get famous. There's, That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I feel like the as the fame thing from my perspective of like, and we could talk about artistry and being a professional artist. And thank you. Also, side note, sidebar, that Peter was a speaker at our the Collaboration and Power Conference. That was very cool. That I helped produce. Congratulations. Thank you. That was so cool. Thank you. It, w- it truly like exceeded my expectations. It exceeded your expectations so much that the plane decided to coincide <laughs> with that. To yeah. emphasize... How high the- How high your feelings fly. Yeah. God. Wow. Southwest needs to calm. What is going on today? Maybe it's like the beginning. Of, it's like spring travel. <laughs> I had to do a self-tape this morning, and I was ready to throw my chair. because oh It was plane after plane and then leaf floor. Anyway, uh-huh. but in terms of professional artistry, I think it's really, really wonderful that you're so craft-focused. I think being excellent is the way, and that byproduct is the fame part. You know, you get to be seen, you get to work on really dope projects with cool people because you're just freaking good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you show up and you you handle that business. Yeah. I, that's uh, that's how, like, I think Asians are just brought up, right, to just be the best, right? Yeah. So, like, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to go to Chicago and, like, compete. I truly thought, like, okay, if I'm doing comedy, where do I need to go to, like, compete with the best? Yeah. And I was like, hands down, Chicago. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's strategy, it's work ethic, and then the visionary. You're like, you're still, like, there's a lot of dreaming in there being like, I want to reach these heights, so therefore I will go yeah. where I need to go. Mm-hmm. I love it. And there's a lot of things that I feel like are coming out in our particular generation of millennials, mm-hmm. older and young. I mean... Yeah, there's a range, obviously, but I'm on think, the oldest cusp possible. Yeah, like, I think you and my brother are the, probably the same. <laughs> yeah, cusp. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm in the middle there. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. That's a good spot. I know, it's well, it's interesting because I feel sometimes I grew up with my brother and with a lot of like older people, uh-huh. so I feel like a a kindred spirit or like an understanding of like a little bit older generation. Yeah. And then so yeah, sometimes again I'm an ajma, so yeah, I, I, I was saying like I feel like an ajma like. The day I turn 18. Yeah. <laughs> like, Do you get flower pants and like... Oh, yeah. The whole huge visor, sun a, visor. A vest of some kind. <laughs> yes. A puffy vest. I don't yeah. know. Always squatting somewhere. Squatting with yeah. uh, socks and slippers. <laughs> yeah. um, I dress for comfort for sure. Oh, yeah. Always. 100%. And I love... The Ajuma style of like brash, bold patterns clashing. Clashing. They don't give a fuck. No. They do not no. care. Why? No. Who cares? Yeah, and I think that's so punk rock and that's so cool. <laughs> I think Ajumas are like seriously punk rock. <laughs> I'm here to handle business. Yes. Okay. Gotta make this kimchi. I need to like drive my kids in my minivan. Uh, yeah, exactly. Unless they're scared of the highway. Uh-huh. Um but it I think it's really, really crazy to kind of witness the evolution. And that's why I think it was so great and refreshing to hear your podcast to talk about Korean culture from very kindred spirit, like generationally similar mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. Even though you said you're from New York, right? So Originally, you, you yeah. grew up in New York, New York or Flushing. Yeah. Flushing. Yeah. Is that hella Chinese? I just oh, sound so Bay Area. No, hella you Chinese. are very Bay Area. <laughs> yeah. No, it's hella Korean. Oh, it's hella Korean. Yeah. Flushing it's like, is. yeah. 
Flushing is like the K town of the East. Got it. Yeah, the food is incredible. Aren't there a lot of Koreans in like Jersey? Yeah, there's a. So I think it started in Flushing, and then people started getting rich. Got so it. they would like go to Jersey or Long Island and like buy houses. Buy houses. There's still a lot of renters and immig- immigrants, like uh-huh. K- Korean immigrants in Flushing. Yeah, where it's. Now, when I was growing up, it was a lot of Chinese and very little Koreans. Okay. But the economy just completely turned to a Korean economy where, like, there are strips, like, miles where you don't see one American sign. So it's, it's like Garden Korean. Grove. and <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. 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 It was really interesting even for me to move to L.A., which in my mind was, like, Koreatown. Like, L.A. in general is, like, K-Town. Yeah. But to, like, learn the geography and where the pockets of immigrants mm-hmm. are and everything was really eye-opening. Yeah. And we have another plane. I hope everyone listening is having a great time and getting inspired to travel and (laughs) (laughs) pursue your dreams. This is like in the background, just like a subliminal message for you to just go and live your dreams. Totally intentional. Go see the world. Or at least San Diego, wherever that plane's going. (laughs) (laughs) 49 in one way. Sponsor me. Um, Okay, so you, you grew up in New York, and this is where... It's really interesting to see where else you can end up geographically. And New York has its own vibe, right? Yeah. And its own culture of being a New Yorker versus someone from the city, like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But then, like, when I see the parallels of the complaints and the traumas <laughs> yeah. and the struggles, that's where I see, like, oh, this is really kind of an innate Korean-American thing. Yeah. You talking about, like, the Han? Every, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what sure. does Han mean to you? I have honestly... I've, it's been an interesting upbringing being around Korean Americans that I don't feel like I have the same understanding or perspective of everyone else. Sure. So I'm so curious to hear everyone else's perspective. You know, when I was young, my mom would always say this phrase, uh, phrase like, Hani bechotta, right? Okay. Which means like, you're, it, it means that you are carrying around a sense of oppression or a sense of like, um, subdued rage. You know, <laughs> that is so real. I can't even. And that's a Korean thing. And that's, <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. It's a very Korean thing. And it's, yeah. it comes out in a lot of toxic behavior, especially male toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, uh, I don't even want to say the word feminist. Like that seems like such an old word. Like it's like saying like, Oh, I believe in equal rights. Like, no shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, the sky is blue. And yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a Southwest plane flying <laughs> over it. Um, so I, I grew up with a single mother. And for me, my mom was my hero. Uh-huh. She broke through, like, so much toxic masculine shit through her career. She worked in Korean TV and radio. Oh, whoa. In New York. Okay. Which is, like... Super male dominant. It's like a breeding ground for all of that yeah. nastiness. All that nastiness. Yeah. And she was a, like a strong woman who like did not give a fuck, did not let people talk to her sideways. And if she didn't like something, she would either quit or fix it or something. You know, she never Take like it to t- the New York Times. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. She, or like the Chungangilbo and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, like- yeah. <laughs> handle it again. Yeah, handle yeah it. she would handle it. She, you know, because of that, she moved around to a lot of different companies because there are a lot of men who couldn't deal with her being loud, being smart, being successful, ambitious. Like, yeah, it was as if it was like, 
uh, something against them. You right, know? right. It's so like I, an attack on them, right. who they are. An emasculation, if right. you will. Yeah. And there were very small amount of men who like treated her like an equal. Mm-hmm. And they're all still part of our lives. Like I know them wow. you know, growing up. So I watched my mom grow up like this. So I have a very strong sense of like, don't fuck with women. <laughs> all right. Like don't put them into a situation where like they have to compromise their integrity like men never have to fucking do that you know what i'm saying men never have to be like brushed up upon in a fucking studio or something right or like not given a ch- opportunity to do something because like oh you how could you handle that yeah you know what i'm saying that's yeah. never something we say to men no. so like um growing up with that like i i was very different as far as point of view and also i was a very closeted gay man so like it wasn't uh, growing up in Flushing. There wasn't a lot of people like me. Right. So I knew I wanted to get out of there. Okay. And then go to San Francisco. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I was like, I want a, a fresh perspective. Okay. And I, and I got it, you know, and then I'm obviously, and you know, you went to Chicago and now we're in LA, but wow. Yeah. So was it, and just culturally speaking too, I mean, there's so many layers. I, I want to like dissect all, <laughs> I unpack it all, but I feel like with, um, I mean, just so much of the Korean culture is what it is. I think that, like, I 100% agree with you that there's a sense of this. You're carrying around kind of like a burden or a little Mm -hmm. bit of there's something outside of yourself that you have with you. Yeah. That you, like, that connects you to everybody else. I don't know how to explain it. Mm -hmm. There's, And I don't know if that's just a nurture thing of, like, what kind of things we're told from a very young age about what we need to consider and how we need to conduct ourselves and how to properly respect elders that you have no relationship to except for the fact that they're older than you they know your parent and you have to like revere them like they're you know there's a lot of these subliminal messaging like a lot of programming i think that really instills in you you are one of a whole you're not you Mm -hmm. you are you that is my child that is part of this community that goes to this church yeah that comes from this last name i don't know yeah i think it's like a East Asian Confucian thing yes, holdover of, of like, you know, the collective voice as opposed to the singular voice, which is more Western philosophy. For sure. So I, that, that's very interesting that you talk about that is because I always felt like my voice was being squashed mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I related to how my mom's voice was being squashed in her career. So I was like, I saw that happening to my mom and I saw that happening to me. And I was like, no, I can't do this. Further stoking the rage. Yeah, exactly. Right? I'm yeah. like, I'm, I was, my previous episodes actually earlier this year was just talking about therapy and how I'm processing a lot. And to be honest, it's really refreshing because part of the therapy is to kind of recognize like, wow, I have really come really far. I'm very proud of what I've been able to overcome despite X, Y, and Z. But the other side of that is really taking responsibility or really looking at like, why am I so angry? And that is real. I'm so angry all the time. Like my boyfriend makes fun of me a lot because I'll, we'll have a conversation and let's say we're just talking about like, yeah, or not even 60, like another planet. Like we'll be talking about candles. Let's say like that candle you have on your dresser. Yeah. And then, so say anything about the candle. I really like the packaging of this candle. I think it, the glass is really pretty. Yeah, the glass is really pretty. I wonder who made that fucking probably little <laughs> kids and shit, you know, like, <laughs> and then I'll just like start going into the word. I go into fatalistic thinking and worst case scenario all the time. And I get myself revved up and, and then I have multiple arguments with myself <laughs> and he'll just sit there and be like, who are you yelling at? And I'm like, I don't know. 
I don't know. And I'll just like walk out of the room and I have to like center myself again because I'm like, what are you yelling? There's, I always walk into a room feeling like someone did something wrong to me. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like I've moved past that, but that awareness is definitely still there. Yeah. Like I 100% know what you're talking about. Cause I felt that way for years. Yeah. And I think it's only very recently that I've kind of really started to let that go years of meditation and yeah. like yoga and now therapy. But it's, that's something to really just acknowledge, you know, I don't think it's not like put it on a pedestal. Cause sometimes I think there can be whatever your culture or background, you're going to take whatever is you good or bad or ugly or otherwise. And then like, kind of like put it on this pedestal or make it like a good thing. Cause like, for example, Koreans came out, like this was a couple years ago, statistic, which was really sad. It was like the highest liquor consumption in the world per capita, yep. which depresses me to no end. And it really worries me. And again, we can dive into this, but I was like, that's a very bad thing to have be the number one of. Yeah. But my friends were like joking about it and they're like, Hey, we're number one. And I know that they're joking, right? Mind you, I can take a joke, but I was like, We do that. We find some ways to like survive with the things that are in our nature and then just make it like, yeah, I'm the angriest person. Like, I'll kill you. Don't mess with me. (laughs) Don't cut me off in traffic. You will not survive that. And like, it's, it's really interesting with Koreans that we're very aware of the rage Mm -hmm. and everything you just said. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel, I feel like I owe a lot of people an apology because I do that. I'm like, Oh, you like that shirt? Well, that's cute. Well, do you ever think, like, was that made by a, yeah, <laughs> a commercial yeah. with child labor? <laughs> like, I don't know. Did you check? Do we know? Do I know? And, like, I'm yeah. mad at myself all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah it's, it's and hard. I think it's – I don't know if this is a real thing, but I recently read an article about how trauma is um, genetic – was it's, totally going to ask you if you knew that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a new idea. It's been around for a while. For sure. But um, that is something that I think we often forget is that our country and our people have been like marauded over and over and over again. I'm still just learning more, more and more of it. Yeah. I feel like I don't fully understand. I did like Hangul Gyoksa in what is that? Korean history okay. when I was young. Look like at you. Our church had Korean history classes mm-hmm. where like we were, we went to Sunday school to learn about Jesus. And then we learned about like Sejong Daewang and like how he created the Korean alphabet and shit like that. Like I know like a lot about like Korean history just from like church. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And like just like how our king, like all the kingdoms and like how one person like got, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, if you will. You oh, know, I'm like, sure. There's a book, an old like, ch- you know, like Chaucer, you know, like that kind of yeah, yeah, a yeah. medieval type book called, yeah. called Samgukji, which is Three Kingdoms, which is like a really um, comprehensive historical wrap up of our people. I need to get into that. Yeah, you would enjoy it. Well, yeah, I think it's really interesting to learn about history. Same thing as any history of like L.A. or learning the history of Hollywood or the history of whatever. I think it's really important to reflect back on mm-hmm. what happened before you. A, because you probably inherited it. Yeah. Now we understand genetically. And just like it gives so much more context. And for me, it's actually been very healing like, for example, learning how my grandmother escaped North Korea. Like, I didn't know that until I was, like, 28 years old. Wow. A, it made me feel like a complete garbage granddaughter that I never asked her. But right. I also feel like it's part of the culture. We don't really ask our we elders invasive questions like that. And they like don't that. share private information. We're right. very we – don't, we don't like to talk. 
Oh, my dad loves to talk, but he loves to lecture me. Yeah. Which no, is different yes, than yes. like having. These are more like having vulnerable conversations. Right. About, this is how like, I felt this about this. This was really scary for me. Like yeah. never. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with that Korean male like need to feel powerful and whatever this like expressed expectations of maleness in Korean society is yeah. so it's it, it feels so late now. You know what I'm saying? It's just like like are you who serious? thinks like this anymore? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is why that whole like sex scandal thing with the K-pop industry, like I it is that's so you listen to that episode, right? Yeah. Where we talk about yeah. Sunni and um Yeah, Chung and I want Jun-on. you to like get all the listeners updated on this. I was livid, also really not surprised. Yeah. Really not surprised. And also sidebar, and I'm curious, like, plant the seed of what you might think about this, but, like, there are these, like, specific expectations of maleness that are very toxic and that produce these really bad behaviors and this unabated rage and, like, unprocessed trauma, etc. But it's, like, I feel like it's also kind of just cyclical. Like, there is a reason why... They have this need to survive or like you can't show any vulnerability because if you do, I'm sure at one point in time in history, that would have cost you your life. You know what I mean? Sure, like That yes. would have cost your family's life. Right. So I'm guessing that there was some origin where it was a practical necessity, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's this only me trying been... to be really compassionate, but like, no, I that's a really great way to look at it because it's only been what one, maybe now two generations since the Korean War. Right. So that's not a lot of time for an entire generation of people to to wake the fuck up, to like... Heal and yeah, process. Treat a woman like you're equal. Right. You know, like, it's just simple ideas that like... That, that seems simple now in retrospect, but I'm sure has taken so much time. For sure. You know, even like the LGBT stuff. And today, actually... They're, um, the Korean courts are ruling on an abortion ban. Okay. And so abortion is completely illegal in Korea. Okay. <clears throat> except for like incest rape and health of the mother. Okay. Um, but, uh, interestingly enough, not health of the child. So that if the, if tests come back, the child is deformed or whatever. Yeah. You still have to carry it to term. Wow. It's like antiquated for, as fuck. Wow. But, um, Korea's, Korean courts are ruling on it today. To to um to rule on the legality of that ban. Wow. So we'll see what happens. But like you know, stuff like that's happening, which is great. Okay. <clears throat> but I don't ever really deal with Koreans from Korea. Right. Never. That's I, what I'm saying. I only deal with Korean Americans. Americans. So pull, right. Mm-hmm. So like Korean Americans, I feel like are. That's why we started the Ajima podcast because I'm a big fan of the Read, which is a um which is a huge podcast by two queer black folk. And they are, their whole podcast is about um, talking about black culture, either entertainment or politics or whatever in America. Okay. And it's so good and so comprehensive. And I remember thinking like, I want to do that for Koreans. And then I'm like, wait, what is our culture? What is Korean Americanness? Right. Right. What, besides the K-pop industry reselling pop to us, like what is our identity within this country? And what does that even fucking mean? You know? So like, it's been an interesting endeavor. Yeah. But Korean Americans I'm realizing are really stuck in this place. That's post-war, like American immigration slash like assimilation or attempt to. Yeah. 
in my mom's uh, version, like never attempting at all. She doesn't speak English at all. She's been wow. here thirty eight years. Wow. Yeah. She doesn't how, go far. on a survival level. How does that even? I just yeah. I see. I just see the same in, with my grandma. Like, how have you been here since the seventies and you still? She she lives in a microcosm in Flushing's and everything is Korean. Like yeah. your taxes are prepared by a Korean guy. That's insane. Eat shop. You know, play Korean. So, like, you never have to do anything outside of it. Right. But, um. Also, limits you in a lot of ways. I mean, like. I think she, she'd rather that. Right. She'd rather be limited to what she knows. Yeah. Cause I think immigration probably, like, I never immigrated. I was born here. Yeah. Were you born here? I was born here. Your parents immigrated though? Yeah. Immigration must be such a traumatic experience. But, as you know, with trauma, like you end up compartmentalizing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're a whole generation of people and our parents who just like walk around in denial, right? A lot, right? And hold on to a lot of these older Korean uh, values that Korea no longer holds to. Anymore. That's what I was saying. Like they've I was, evolved, right? They've yeah. continued because, like, I was like, you know what? I grew up with 1980 Korea. That's yeah. when my parents came, and that's the version that they know, and that's the version up until that point that they were raised in. Right. And since then, you know, their Korea's continued to evolve economically, socially, culturally, some ways more quickly or more advanced and progressively than others. But yeah, they've moved on. But we, the Korean Americans, which is why I think it's a really interesting subculture and, and something to think about all immigrants, like, you know, you're, it's, they're, they're, what was like the one-offs. Mm-hmm. You're breaking off at a certain point and you're bringing whatever you knew to yeah. That place, mm-hmm. right? And then you're gonna go from there. Yeah. So it's a very unique culture that I think our our specific generation of parents had a specific view. They came at a certain economic political time, mm-hmm. and then we were popped out, and here we go from there. They're like, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And okay, so like in terms of like, I want to. I have so many questions for you, like about assimilation, but I think it kind of just really weaves into what we're talking about mm-hmm. current pop culture. Can you school us really quickly on this nonsense, this K-pop scandal that's yeah, like, what, a month of, old? Of what I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, this has been going on for the last two years. There's been this, like, huge uh, protest and backlash against spy camming, which is a huge problem in Korea. Right. I'm sure here, too, but in Korea especially. Right. And I think, uh, again, it kind of goes back to, like, how our men are raised. Mm-hmm. And their spy camming means, like, they'll set up, like, cameras in bathrooms. So they'll, you'll watch, like, women in the bathrooms. And the I most have, abusive, like... Invasion of privacy. Yeah. Like, and gross. So I, I'm, disgusting. Okay, see, I'm not trying to be a hater because... No, hater. Yeah, like, that's you know, disgusting. Whatever people's, like, kinks and fetishes are, I'm not... But, like, that that's... to be a contract. But that's that's when people are aware of it. And like you said, yeah. I really liked how you framed it in your... Like, again, if you could listen to this podcast, it was wonderful. But it was just to break it down that it's not a hating on sexual preferences or whatever, but the consent part. It's, like such an invasion of like yeah. a very very private and that's thing. why they do it if it's it was so consensual they wouldn't get off on it right it's the abuse of power that they get off on and that's rampant in korea especially with not only spy camming but uh, taking videos secret videos of you 
like having sex with a woman mm-hmm. and, or whatever, and then um, sharing it with your friends. And there was this disgusting part. And this doesn't even have to do with the K-pop people. This is, in general, The Korean, issue that people have been dealing with. Yes. Yeah. And especially college kids in Korea, you know, Hangul, Korea University, which is like their biggest university. Well, like Seoul Dae? Yeah. Or like Seoul University? Yeah, yeah. Like they're... They're like Harvard they're or whatever. They're bright and shining. Yeah. yeah. Harvard, Yale, all of the above put yeah, together. Yeah, it's like their Ivy League. And there there was this case that happened this year where <clears throat> all these seniors or sambes were sharing photos of their hubes, like the freshman class. Yeah. Which is so Korean. It's just triggering me back to like high school. I went to high school in the Bronx and this like really Asian school. Like you had to take a test to get in. Uh-huh. So there was a lot of Asians and we would have to like... If there were senior youngs, I would have to walk by in the hallway in front of everyone and 90 degrees inside to him. Oh, what? Yeah. In the middle. You know what I mean? And like, it was so Korean. But that kind of like upperclassmen, uh, lower classmen respect thing, they t- took that to another level where they sent around all these f- women's photos and voted on who they wanted to rape. Yeah, it's. I need to go throw things in the. <laughs> it makes me violent. Well, me I too. mean, in my, I've shared on my podcast too. I, I had an older guy, problematic adolescence yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, and these are the things that I think like it all makes sense of like why. In retrospect, it's like crystal clear. It's so obvious why it happened the way that it did. Yeah, and that part of it is like this inherent un, unspoken and irrefutable respect. Of an elder person. Yeah. And there's something really beautiful about respecting your elders. There's a, I, I could go on another rant about like how I, I get like younger kids and like collaboration. I'm like, I'm like 10 years older than you. You talk to me like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I still We're have like that stuck in, in the middle somewhere. Stuck in the middle. But yeah. I think there's a fine line. But like that stuff, I mean, that fills me with violent rage. Me too. Violent rage. Yeah. It's just, and you can, you know what also is like you can see them. Yeah. You can feel what they're, what they would look like or what they, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's so close to home that it makes me so angry. Yeah. So going back to this <clears throat> K-pop thing, you know, in the news, it's a headline like K-pop, clean cut boys, sex scandal. It's salacious, right? Right. But it's a whole male issue. Right. You know, around the world. It's symptomatic of much right. bigger problem. And Sungni from, uh, Big Bang. Um, and Chung Jun Young from FT Island. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge K-pop fan, but I know Big Bang and FT Island. Yeah. Uh, they're old enough where I know them. Yeah. Big they, Bang's a huge deal. I mean, you, I'm huge. not, I'm not, I'm a nineties K-pop girl, but me too. Yeah. Like and, Lula yeah. and yeah. Turbo <laughs> and HOT. Yeah. But I, I know it's like, because they're so big that like, you can't not know them. If right. you're Korean, like every, my mother and my grandma talked yeah. about Big Bang. So I knew them. Exactly. Yeah. They're just around. Yeah. And they're young. They're like, 26, 27, and got uh, indicted for spy camming and also um, sex trading. So is it the one guy? Is that one guy or is the whole? Because they're all they're all involved in different cases. Oh, I did it's not, not like know that. I thought it was the one guy that owns the nightclub. He does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chung Junyo owns the nightclub. Yeah, where a lot of bad Burning things were. or something. Yeah. Yeah, in Gangnam. Yeah. Yeah, which is like the most posh part of town. It's like the Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills of Korea. Yeah, and they he had a club and he was basically shuffling in prostitutes for their investors. Mm-hmm. Basically sex trading. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's like it's 
you know, you're, you can't really do it unless you have the, the something to offer these women, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Which is a way out of their, like, she go to life or whatever, you know? Right. So like, they're, they're definitely taking advantage of their power, but it's also like, it's sex tapes, right? Yeah. Which is horrible. Yeah. But if we just thought about like, it's so, it's so much more horrible in Korea than here. Because no one ever fucking talks about sex in Korea. Right. It's still so taboo. It's still like everything is mired in this kind of like puritanical, like old way of thinking. Right. Whereas like in France or Italy, like people are talking, talking about and encouraging sex to teenagers. Right. There's a more sex positive culture about there's less shame attached to sexual activity. And that shame, I think, is what these men are taking advantage of. Right. Because they know that they could blackmail you with like, oh, I taped us having sex. I'm going to release this to everyone you know. That, for her, is death. Right. Right? Yeah. But what if she grew up in a place where like, all right, so what? I'm proud of my tits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then it would hold no power. Right. So like, I think it, it goes hand in hand with like the culture, but also like... These men don't understand how to have a honest conversation about sex. Yeah. So well, I think the entire culture, like, yeah, yeah the yeah. entire country. It's a problem. It's a big problem. And it's about this, like, puritanical is a perfect way to put it. I just found out, like, the other day that 40% of Korea is Christian. Ugh. That's a really big chunk of the population and you talked about church like i grew up in church i'm not really religious anymore but i still really appreciate how i grew up and i have a lot of love for church i also have a lot of anger and issues and again it doesn't even come down to like church and god itself it comes down to like the powers the power dynamics at play which Mm -hmm. is so anywhere you go whether it's work or religion or school institution i mean there's power dynamics anywhere you go Mm -hmm. and there's people in charge and there's hierarchies and there's abuses of power there's all sorts of avenues for people to be just disgusting and deceptive yeah. and and just abusive yeah you know and abuse like this is where i think we're at as a society kind of globally because we're acknowledging these the spectrum of abuse like there is abuse in, in verbally assaulting somebody and like telling tearing them down verbally or like passive aggressively even you could call that abuse i think it qualifies Right. But then there's also like the extremes of like physical, sexual, like about rape, about trafficking people, about doing all Mm -hmm. these things. And we're in this like, so I think the whole world, another article that I read was like, everyone's freaking burnt out. And we've already been talking about this since like the last at least two years. (laughs) Um, But like people are burnt out because we're having these really, really hard conversations about very real things that are very much in our private spheres as much as they're like a global problem. These are people that we're like dealing with on a day to day and questioning now, does this person respect me? What was that look like? Am I safe to go there? How was I taken advantage of? And that's exhausting to like juggle all the time. So Uh, I'm so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. That's why we're so angry. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm so tired. I'm tired. (laughs) I'm dehydrated. Yeah. I mean, I, 
don't know if we have an answer to it in this podcast. No, but this is a vent session. This is an education and vent <laughs> therapy session. Yeah, it does feel good to talk about it and say like, "Hey, I'm seeing this. Are you seeing this? Yeah, you're seeing this, right?" Yeah. Like instead of keeping it inside and being like, "Am I the only one who's?" Oh, I've had so much rage, and like this is where I'm coming at. Maybe this is the collective feeling of like, "Let's put it all on the table." I know we're all tired and it's gross to look at and all that stuff, but there's something in me that feels so relieved and like. Yeah. Yeah, I hate them. They're disgusting. And like, I can say that with the force that I actually feel it and not be frightened of like backlash or like, oh, if I do this, it's going to compromise my job or my safety or my, you know, significant other. I've gotten in arguments and fights with past boyfriends about toxic masculinity where they have to whatever degree defended it yeah in my perspective i was like you're kind of defending the the old guard yeah and i just don't think that that's you know but i was very angry it's, it's just like a tough space yeah so i don't know it's just like we need to have these talks i just felt like i always had to cushion or accommodate like oh the, the you male, don't have to do fragile that anymore. male ego no i can't talk about it because you can't handle that and I don't want to re- rebirth your trauma and all that stuff. But I'm no, like, but I'm also traumatized. Them. Yeah, we have to live through it all the time. We're traumatized. You live through it for once. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get to deny all the time and you're the perpetrator. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, they're so the ones the, who should be op- owning up to it. That's the, that's, so that's a really interesting thing. I think it's so kind of like poetic that K-pop has risen to be this like, total global phenomenon right yeah. i think there's a lot of people maybe even korean americans are like scratching their head and just like wait why because <laughs> like i loved k-pop but like the fact that i mean it's I just don't not love like my... k-pop now yeah i loved 90s k-pop yeah and i think that's just also age because if we grew up now i bet you we would love to k-pop now for you know sure 100 I mean? it's just like but it's like saying like Oh, there's a resurgence in soul music, which there kind of is, you know, right now. Yeah. And let's say, um, Leon Bridges. Do you know him? He's like, mm-hmm. he's like a throwback artist, but he's contemporary. Yeah. Uh, it's as if I, I was like, oh my God, Leon Bridges, but like not talking about all the people that came before him. You right, know what right, I mean? right, so right, like, right. I kind of, I, I get it. It's pop. It's supposed to be catchy. Yeah. They're taking whatever's popular in the zeitgeist and then repurposing it to be candy. Oh, and know? they're so good at it. They're, it's a machine. It. It's yeah. kind of frightening. And it's disgusting how they... The whole industry is disgusting. I concur. Like how they, I remember when we were kids, like HOT. Yeah. We were, they were like, there were Korean shows and stories about how these kids were being mistreated Mm -hmm. and slammed into tiny dorms. Yeah. And fucking made to like rehearse dance moves all day and then. Day and night. And then. Have their curfew. Yeah. And it's usually kids who don't have money Mm -hmm. where they have to send home money to their family. Yeah. Like it's the same thing as fucking like prostitution. Like these young girls in Mexico. Mexico who are like, oh, I need to like send money, you know, to my mom or whatever. Right. And it's all taken advantage of these fucking powerless kids. Yeah. But now we're buying it, it you know, like in bulk, in bulk, on uh, mass, like globally. There's Putting dolls the poster now on our walls. <sighs> Mind you, this is not a Korean only thing. It's just kind of like the machine that has become K-pop now is yeah. very, very much, you know, signified by that. But a sidebar, like on the on the 
taking advantage of young artists side there's a new doc that's out about freaking the producer from NSYNC and Backstreet Boys like how oh, he yeah. that turd of a human the Ron, whatever yeah the, he's the old fat guy he's disgusting and like how he like took all their money from uh-huh. them he like pitted them against but them but that was going on in the 2000s too remember No Strings Attached I didn't watch that what it was no it was the, the album oh the ta- the album the, yeah, yeah yeah that was all about divorcing their relationship with, with him I didn't know that and they were celebrating that oh yeah. I was not enough so of a so it was like girl. a huge thing back then too so like all these stories come out when it's out but yeah. we just go ah but we like the music you yeah, know like yeah, yeah. we're willing to deny so much yeah it's insane and this is why I think going back to like the, the new K-pop wave the fact that it is so global and there's so many eyeballs mind you if this was just like K-pop the same way you know every kind of culture or country might have their own version of their celebrity it's kind of like contained at least right, right to their the people who care and I just find it there's part of me I'm being totally honest that was like smiling and eating my popcorn of like oh y'all are global now huh well, you got the whole world watching, brah. Uh-huh. And like watching that tower crumble, personally, at this juncture in my life as a grown woman who's grown up with XYZ traumas, and people throw that word around a lot, but like I will use it in its full significance. I have been had traumas in my life that are rooted, tied to Korean men. There's a part Same. of me that's really happy. Yeah, yeah. That, like that it's falling. Just eating where's my candy i need red vines i need my you know i'm pretty healthy but i want like a liter of coke to like go with this because it's it's been a long time coming yeah you know it's been like but yeah how did you when you found out what did you react like what was your what was your reaction and your um that's a good question i was sad Mm mm-hmm but also, like, a part of me was, like, finally a little bit of justice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Justice is a very good way to put that. Just a little. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's him not making money anymore and he has to, like, work at a gas station or something. Just no, no shade to gas station workers, but, like, coming from K-pop, you know, like, yeah. that's going to be a trauma in itself. You yeah. know, like, and just... Uh, I know what you mean about like facing trauma specifically with Korean men. Yeah. And not for a long time. I wasn't able to trust Korean men for a long time. I still struggle with that. I still struggle with it. Like for real. Like Korean women. Great. <laughs> amazing. Korean gays love. Yeah. Straight Korean men. And I, I get, I tur- I get very triggered easily. Yeah. And I have to figure that out. I'm in the process as well. As you know, it's not. The trauma has that face, but that face doesn't necessarily mean it's true for everyone. For sure. You know, but like... And everyone has their different version because like the guy who caused the most pain in my life was a Korean male, but also the best men in my life, like my brother, my brothers and my cousins and my best friends and my dad, my dad's a tough guy, but he's still like, I love him to death. And like, so it's, it's a struggle because yeah, anybody who, you know, you know, what's kind of crazy. And this is kind of like a late in episode thing to think about. Maybe it would be part two. Yeah. But beyond that. I think what I'm coming to terms with and what everyone is starting to come to terms with is that that good man in your life can also be a bad man in someone's life. Right. 
You know what I mean? Interesting. And that like duality exists. It's like that Michael Jackson thing. Like he could, he is a genius. He did great stuff. I'm sure he built school schools all around Africa, but he was still fucking those little kids. You know what I'm saying? Right, so right, it's right. like, I think the, the more we understand that, like, here's a quick anecdote that kind of wraps this up. But in Chicago, mm-hmm. I ended up working for this place called the second city and became like a kind of like an kind of overnight went from zero to hero. Okay. You know what I mean? And there was a lot of like hate because of that, <clears throat> especially because I'm gay and, and I'm Korean. And, um, and I was the first Asian man to ever be on second city's resident stage in wow. 61 years of its inception. Congrats. Thank you. But also what the fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they had like 10 black people in 60 years. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, ridiculous well why are you getting upset there were no funny people in the <laughs> we're just gonna buy them yeah but through that there were a lot of butthurt white men mm-hmm. and this one comic i don't even remember his name anymore he was going around saying a lot of stuff about me mm-hmm. that was like just substantially untrue mm-hmm. and then i was like what the fuck is going on so i i went on facebook this is when i was still on facebook i messaged him and i was like hey do we know each other and he was like, no. And I was like, then why are you saying all this stuff about me? Like, it seems like you're hurt. If I've hurt you, I'm, I'm really sorry. I did not mean to, but I would like an explanation of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, you're a celebrity now. So I thought you deserve to be taken down a little. He said those words? Yeah. Which, first of all, thank you for calling me a celebrity. <laughs> oh my God, thank you. Oh my God. Um, but secondly, but what? Like, that really hit home to me like i was i wasn't angry at him anymore yeah i was like whoa that is a deep level of sadness where you 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 want to take down someone at at a what you perceive to be at a level that you desire to be at yeah and that's something we do to celebrities all the time uh-huh. or just not just celebrities but anyone in power like we put people in power just to take them down yeah, because it feels good because we can't get there, mm-hmm. you know? So like, it's almost a proxy death where like, I, if I can't be there, I want someone to be there that I could take down. And it's, it's so, um, dark, so dark and endemic in our culture. And that's something that happens to us while we don't even know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like these, we love knowing about celebrities lives why? I don't understand that at all. I There's not one celebrity I really want to know their life about. I want to know. Actually, well, you and I are different because I was super into celebrity gossip or like Perez Hilton was like a daily thing yeah. that I visited in college. And it's really interesting to look back on what captivates you, any person about Honestly, like stalking someone else's life and why that, what about it? And I think this is me as a grown person being able to look at it and be like, what about that is so enviable? Like, why am I so wanting that life that is different than mine? And that's the, that's the gap I'm trying to close. Like, yeah. I'm way happier with my life now yeah. than I ever have been, I think, ever. But, you know, there's something to understand about that. This is why there's a process of like going back and healing and like analyzing and not, you know, maybe like processing some traumas because you need to understand what you needed to learn from that experience. And my thing with 
Korean culture, and this ties to like the K-pop and everything. I think it's very much tied to like what our values and what our ideas of success are. Yeah, being really famous and popular and having everybody love you. So this is where I was wondering with these K-pop guys, the punishment. Like, yeah, they could get jail time. They could get, um, you know, they'll never work in the industry again. I kind of just like I don't even believe that's true with Hollywood and with popularity. I feel like you can always make your comeback. Yeah, if you have popularity, some people there are people. Other people out there who will enable that because they'll look at you and say your dollar signs, your number, mm-hmm. your dick. But like four million people are going to watch whatever you make, right. so like and I can make ten percent off of that, right? So there's that. But like that's what I'm saying. Everyone has their different values of like <clears throat> maybe honesty, truth, and justice, and respect and equality are not part of their top 10. Maybe that's like... That don't make money. <laughs> that don't make money. You know what I'm saying? They value, for whatever reasons they do, they value prestige and power and image. And, and, image. and I think that's honestly a lot of what Korea, the darker parts of Korea has become. For sure. That that has so much weight and so much value that they will not compromise that and then they'll start to abuse it because they become drunk on that. And yep. drunk is like substance and all that stuff is a whole other thing and depression and all that in Korea. You wrap all that it up like it's it's so obvious why all of this happened yeah because they're climbing this like stupid ladder that goes nowhere and they were indoctrinated as 12 year olds right and so, they were brainwashed yeah. by the previous and like i look at their fathers and like whoever groomed them right right they're sick like it's like i want the whole thing to just kind of like this nasty root of this weed to just be pulled, pulled up out. yeah and burned yeah you know me too maybe how do we that, do it do you think that's what's happening i mean do you <laughs> as as you i feel like you just kind of have more knowledge on this whole scenario we didn't like go through all the details but it's kind of like really what the deeper implications of this whole scandal that's like really what i want to talk to you about i feel like we've touched upon some really key things of this toxic masculinity of inherited trauma of you know different things of politics and and the economy of like how korea never even had its own two feet until the last few decades last couple generations yeah and just shot through the moon and exported culture it's really interesting because i think as like the me too movement and you know equal rights and women's rights being human rights and all that yeah becoming more of a forefrontal issue for korea as it has here yeah um we see the um we see like massive drops of in- sexual interest in men drop steeply so men aren't having sex anymore especially in Japan and Korea yeah. it's hu- like the birth rate is super low so low it's like been lowest since before the war or something like that like it was because cr- yeah, there was a huge boom and then now that's birth rate's low yeah and it's almost like because like men would rather not have sex than have sex with a woman that feels like they don't have power over. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the thing that they get off. And like you're saying, like they get off on the power. Right. It's that I am man. You're a woman. I have a penis. You have a vagina. Yeah. So this is how we have sex. But now that women have moral control over their bodies and over what they want and what they demand, it's almost like men are like, well, I'm not interested in that at all. I don't even know if it's they're not interested. I feel like that's such an attack or like such a a leveling, if you will, of everything that they knew. Right. That they don't know how to catch up with that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I mean. Like, subconsciously, they're like, for sure. What? They just disconnect from it. Yeah. And they, and I also think it's a lot of the women too are like, 
I ain't got to put up with you. Yeah, you're not make, doing it that well anyway. <laughs> you're not doing that well, or I can make my own money, or, like, I can yeah. sustain myself. I can have a life outside of being under your foot. Yeah, and we have so, vibrators now. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> so many accessories. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Yeah. Don't need we you. We don't need them. If, yeah. you're gonna, if what you're coming with is, like, a lot of abuse and trauma or psychological, you know, condescension like no then i don't need to deal with it yeah personally like i commiserate with that and that's really sad i don't want that like to to also add on to what i was saying about feeling like the joy of watching this tower fall it's that specific tower of toxic masculinity the specific tower of abuse of power and this like disgusting grooming of men to be like this and whatever conversations this is going to drive to empower women to speak up and be like yeah that's disgusting yeah don't ever treat me like that if you ever try to do that i will end you like yeah to have the power to say that i think a lot of korean women have struggled with that i have personally worked with a lot of different college students or young people um and a lot of it is they're incredibly smart brilliant talented passionate visionary but they, this is my wish for like Korea is like, you can be your own person. You can have your own thoughts. You can go against the grain and you can be different and you can be contrary if you want. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Cause I felt like a lot of the interns that I work with, there was kind of this underlying vibe of like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. If you instruct them, they're like, follow to a T and they're brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Will not execute any bet like the best, yeah. right? <laughs> but if you're like, well, what do you want to do? Yeah. What's the thing that you want to create of like vapor? What would you want to do? And they're like, oh, I don't, yeah. it's just not allowed. Uh-huh. It's like not the culture to dream, dream and yeah. go and be against whatever you're taught to be. Mm-hmm. And for women, I think there's a lot of like subservience. That's like, God, I was watching like 30 seconds of a Korean drama with my mom this past Monday. Ugh. And I got, again, very angry. That's the American in me. I'm just like, no. This yeah. It's literally, I came upon her when she was watching Korean drama, and it was a rape scene. It's like, this is how... <sighs> mind you, there was a really wonderful man who was trying to protect this, like, student. She's literally wearing her schoolgirl outfit, and her fellow classmate was trying to rape her in the back of a car. Oh and this, God. like, something named, like, a teacher yeah. was trying to help her. So this is also what I'm saying. They're such good Korean men and women. They're strong Korean men and women. There's, like, people who are fighting. Yeah. But there's still, like, a proliferation of, like, this nastiness that still exists. Yeah. And it exists in, like, that whole, like, locker room talk type of mm-hmm. space. Yeah. Yeah. It's total bro Boys culture. being boys, yeah. men being men, and men having to prove how man they are to each other by out drinking each other or like, I don't know what they do these days, but like. Well, apparently they get in cacao, which is an app for oh, yeah. chatting, and then they vote on who they want to rape. Vote on who they want to rape and share yeah. videos about them. Oh, <laughs> I just wish like those boys would think about like, what if a bunch of women were looking at your picture, but like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna fuck this guy in the ass today. But I think some of them might like. (laughs) I don't know. Sure, sure. (laughs) I'm sure they do. There's a joke from Roseanne who's like a problematic person, but like I, I love this show. You know, years ago, I think that sitcom's really funny. And she's like, well, she's like, oh my gosh, I just made out with so-and-so guy. And she's like, well, yeah, you treated him like a piece of meat. She's like, men love that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's hard to say what they would, what would. Whatever them, the equal thing Whatever is. that equal yeah. punishment fits the crime thing is for them. But I think personally, like, uh, kind of even like in America, like your, your image and your social status matters so much. Yeah. So I think even the destruction of that is a very big punishment. Yeah. Of that shame. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I hope they never work again. 
you know, like... I hope they grow. To be honest, like I genuinely, and I, uh, you know, again, depends on what you put on monetary success. But I hope that they change. Like I genuinely actually, that is very interesting that you say that. I never thought of that. Of like the retribution afterwards. Yeah, that would lead to better things if he did change, correct his behavior, and became an advocate. Yeah, like don't do this, right? And teaching other young. K-pop kids and idols, yeah, to be like, hey, by the way, I made this mistake. Right, like, don't make this mistake again. Honestly, I didn't think of that much uh, more admirable <laughs> thought <laughs> until right now. Because right you had episode, it. I was just pissed. I was yeah, like, yeah. no, let him burn. It's cool. No, of throw course. him in a box. I'm done. Don't care. <laughs> throw some like I'm thinking of like Indiana Jones, like yeah, torture. Like fucking stuff. Lorena Bob and him. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no, but genuinely, the the problem's not going to get better unless there are people that can help resolve, like solve it. That's yeah. not the the solution. This is kind of like a punishment moment. And it's required. I think accountability for anything. Yeah. It sucks, but it's so necessary. Absolutely. And I'm curious if I'd like to end it more on a positive note. Well, it's not even positive. I still think it's positive. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just a... a, I I have a lot of thoughts, and I think this is going to be an ongoing conversation. I'd love for you to come back. I'd love to, yeah. And we just, like, rip through an hour. Um, But do you have... what What are the things that you think give you hope for the future? Like, give hope for the Korean population and for toxic masculinity everywhere worldwide. I think Korea, you know, Korea hits home for me, obviously, because I am Korean. Mm -hmm. But I think this is just more of a human thing. Yeah. The thing that really gives me hope is this gender revolution. And I'm seeing a lot of it. I recently went to the Lyric Hyperion to do a show. Love it. And there are all these people working there, like, gender fluid, all sorts of different types of expression Mm -hmm. that I found to be such a, you know, at first, truly, you know, as someone who was born in 1982, living in San Francisco, like even homosexuality was such a huge thing for me to overcome as far as self-shame and self-hating and stuff like that. But once I overcame that, that the trans issue, which was always a thing, but just it depends on what gets more PR, right? Mm -hmm. And the trans issue was kind of like a back burner till like recently. And now this whole gender revolution, I think as gender becomes something that is less um, black and white Mm -hmm. and more of, hey, just be who you are and love who you love and be respectful. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's gives me hope for everything to move forward. Right. You know what I mean? And I know a lot of people are attacking that, Mm -hmm. you know, like my my friend who I'm uh, officiated his wedding uh-huh. to a woman. He is now going through a gender. Uh, what do you call it? Not a transition, but is playing with gender. Gender now. Okay. And I remember thinking, like, oh, mar- uh, image of man marrying woman, and then now it's something different. And I was like, then what? What will it be? And mm-hmm. then I remember thinking, like. Why the fuck do you care what it is? Mm-hmm. It's not my it's not my job to care or know or identify what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's it's my curiosity. Friend. It's curiosity, yeah. but like for but truth be told, it was more of an anxiety of like how will I compa- how will I box this? Yeah. What box does he go in now? And it's like that has to stop. We have to stop like trying to make everything into a box like and be more comfortable with the unknown mm-hmm. and with like 
not having to know everything because and not and that comes from fear Mm -hmm. and i think the fear of the unknown thing about gender expression will change Mm -hmm. and i'm really excited for that that's great yeah i love it well welcome to la i mean that's the most la there's i mean that's really a really beautiful thing and that's what i think um can you know, there's pockets of culture and then they find their ways to reach other corners of the world, including like, I don't know if people there. It's funny. My numbers in Korea are pretty low. And I was like, <laughs> it might be because I rag on it a lot. But <laughs> to speak truthfully, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of reconciliation happening in, in my soul these days about things that I thought that I am now recognizing in a very truly humble way i feel like finally like authentically not doing it like oh god i have to like i guess i have to say sorry like a little bit of that so we're like oh man i was wrong i was just like flat wrong yeah i did not know i love that and i need to learn more it takes courage to uh, to own up to when you're wrong and there's so much fear about being wrong these days and like this need to be correct right right it's like if we just let ourselves go of the ego of like being like, I have to be correct. Yeah. But, but it's like, no, you don't, you can just be wrong and say, sorry. What, These how are, little does that take? Right. Like, oh, my bad. I'm an idiot. Yeah. But it's so hard for us to be like, I- I'm bad or I'm stupid. That's, I think that was the fear that was driving me that if I was wrong or incorrect or something that it's really painting me to be an incompetent lesser than human and that's just not what it is and i think i grew up with that i think a lot of that is part of like this striving for excellence and perfection Mm -hmm. that came from my korean culture um part of me really appreciates that there's part of me that like i'm never going to lose that work ethic of wanting to get things as great as they possibly can be because i don't want to like if i'm going to make a product i don't want to sell a, a crappy product. Right. I don't want to do something, you know, and we're, it's a, it's a, it's a pendulum. You're always going to be learning and figuring it out. But I appreciate that part of my culture. I, I think Koreans like for the fact that like they like went into the stratosphere with like all this wealth is like a true sign of resilience. There's something really powerful about what happens when people work together. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I don't fully hate like this. I resented it a lot as a young person where like Korean culture was so about like, Oh, I'm part of them and they are me and I am them. And so who the hell am I? And where do yeah. I even stand as a human, as an individual? And that's what's so directly conflicting with being an American, which is all about independence uh-huh. and individuality and yeah. my voice and my rights and like whatever i think there's space for both there is so i'm very for hopeful sure. for that that like a new generation brings new ideas we're gonna be angry and that's fine because this is part of that as an actor i'm like no it's like that's just the truth that's mm-hmm. the truth and don't deny that don't act like you're not mad when you're mad but figure it out yeah you know yeah so i was like let's figure this out i'm gonna take my moment and eat my popcorn at like this thing because i think it's a really significant moment for a movement towards equality that's why i'm so happy it feels like it's there's some justice in it Mm -hmm. that horrible people get their due yeah even the most be people you would think who would be clouded by protection. Right. Yeah. No one's safe. You no know what one, I mean? Yeah. And like, I like that because that's like, okay, there's hope that we can find the bad guys, figure out how to work on that and then move forward. 
Also, I think that some of the, like, when I went to Korea in 2016, first time in 11 years, I was, like, overwhelmed. I felt that same feeling of, like, wow, I'm being really mean and really wrong. And I felt okay with that. I was, like, I'm glad I came here to, like, recognize there's so many good people here. Yeah. That I have a lot of, like, residual stuff that I'm working through, and that's yeah. my truth. But, like, the reality is when I faced reality and I came here after staying away for over a decade because of XYZ feelings yeah. and thoughts, I was, like, I don't want to spend money to go back there i recognized i was like there's some of the most like the kindest most generous helpful people yeah and they really care about art and passion they're they're the same as america anywhere you go there's a few bad eggs they make it terrible to like live because they might have a lot of power a lot of influence but like there's still a lot of good and that's what gives me hope and it translates to america wherever it is i end up i'm like there's good people everywhere yeah you know, it's it, that's good to remember. Yeah, it's hard for me to remember. <laughs> it is. It's hard. I always like concentrate and pinpoint the bad ones. I'm like, look, see, because we can't ignore that. I respect that yeah. because like people can get, you know, maybe it's like kind of like how I was in the Obama era. It's like everything's great, and we're like, we have a great president. So you kind of get ignorant to yeah things that still need your attention. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we've really flipped, flopped very oh, hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're all like, it's a wild time to be alive. <laughs> we're all getting our bearings still, but yeah. like, we'll screw our bearings. Let's make you know. You're doing comedy. I think that's so great. It's a great way, a vehicle. I think to like express, yeah, tough things. It's the only th- way I know how to talk about things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, and I love it. I love making people laugh, and I love. Being on stage, it's like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's all I want to do ever. Good. Yeah. Well, you're doing it. <laughs> but I, I'm i so glad that you have your podcast. I'm glad you're doing your comedy. I will figure out. I mean, I'm doing this, but I want to figure out my ways to tell more stories. And not stories that are just, like, ragey. It's just truthful. Sure. I just want to be honest. Yeah. And I'm, like, less scared. <laughs> Good. Like, let's spill the tea. Hey, yeah. I think if every day we could be a, just a little less scared that we're doing something good. I hope so. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Like, I'm not churchy. <laughs> See? Just, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so funny. Well, where can people find more about you and follow your work and, like, yeah, go to your I'm, shows? I'm at Peter K. Z. Um, it's just, like, a college thing that's persisted. Peter K as in kangaroo Z as in zebra on all the socials. I'm not on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram though. And, um, Who's yeah. on Facebook anymore? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I am. I'm obsessed with Facebook. <laughs> I left after that like horrible experience with that guy. Oh. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Interesting. Um, and I have uh, some shows coming up. Everything should be on like my socials. So check it out. Check Peter out and yeah. check out his podcast. Which is? The Ajuma Show. The Ajuma. How do you spell Ajuma for people who don't know? A-J-U-M-M-A. Ajuma Show with me and Unji Kim. Unji. My girl. <laughs> I'll tell you you said hi. So funny. <laughs> just so funny. I love people who are just like, here I am. Yeah, yeah. It was great. I heard, I felt her through the airwaves. Uh-huh. Um, you can follow, first of all, at first of all pod. I have not updated my socials on any of that for so long. But you can follow me at Minjeezy, M-I-N-J-E-E-Z-Y, um, on Instagram. Add a two more E's for Twitter, cause 
someone else out there has my handle. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear anybody who has any thoughts, ideas. Thank you so much for the people who are subscribed and leaving five star reviews. It helps me get out there a little bit more and more to share different stories. I am so grateful to my Patreon patrons who contribute each month to keep this podcast going, keep the microphone and Wi-Fi on. So I appreciate <laughs> you guys. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And shout out to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger. I love you. Um, you're amazing. And shout out to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. You can find me on the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. And yeah, I think I think I did my spiel. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, and everywhere you find podcasts, including Spotify. So that's all I got. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you. It was so fun. Yeah, this was fun. All right, bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.